We're going to continue in our series of 1 Peter, right? Studying the life of Peter, as I've been preparing for this, has been interesting because Peter, guess what? Changes. He changes as he grows up. I know that may come to a shock, but sometimes people do change, and they change for the better. Sometimes, not always, they don't change for the better. But Peter matures. And again, I think I mentioned this last week, but I'll remind you as well, that Peter, when he writes this, is now writing this as an older man. He's an apostle who's gone through a lot, gone through a lot of changes. He's gotten older chronologically, but he's also matured in his faith. And he's a little more responsive. And now he's a pastor over many churches. In fact, the churches are listed in the First Peter chapter 1, which we went over last week, which takes us all the way up through northern Asia, which is now modern-day Turkey. And these churches are small little groups and most likely, he planted those and started those and got them up and going, spent some time with them, and then he would go on to the next area and the next area and the next area. So he writes this letter as someone who loves these people, knows them well, knows their struggles, but he cares about them. And he's kind of the father figure at this point. And he's not as rash as he used to be. And so his words come from a place of authority. They come from a place of wisdom. They come from a place that I care about you, but I want you to grow. I want you to to go forward. I don't want you to get stuck in life circumstances where you're at. And he also knows full well that these people are going to come under persecution. And things are going to get tough. They're not going to get easier. They're going to get tougher with these folks. And the more that they grow in their faith, the tougher it's going to get. And so that's the backdrop to this letter as he writes it to them. And guess what? It's still an encouragement to us today. And Peter lays the foundation in chapter 1, especially last week we looked at, the foundation that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, for our sins. It was a payment. And that he not only died on the cross, but that he rose again. Remember we talked about that living hope that we have in the resurrection, that this world is not all there is. We're just here for a time. We're just passing through. In fact, he calls us strangers, aliens. We're just, we're not to get too comfortable. We talked about that last week a little bit. Now, I bring up last week because hopefully you that were here will remember some of that. If not, go back and read it this week because it's the basis for this week and it's a continuation. Remember, these letters were written so that they would be read in one whole time or in a setting over a couple of times and then it would be passed on to the next church. So they would move about, but it's a collection altogether. And Peter loops back quite often in his talking, as you would do in a conversation with someone. You want to get back, you want to remind them. And so we're going to hear the theme of the resurrection, the importance of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. You're going to hear those things. I also remind you that Peter is Jewish, so he has that flavor to him. He, He doesn't ever deny that. That is part of him. And so he's speaking to believers, both Gentiles and Jews, but he uses a lot of that language. Also today, we're going to look at some of the scriptures that he refers to is going to be Old Testament. Because guess what? At that time, that's what he had to work with. And that's what he uses. Again, it's still important today, the Old Testament, because it shows us a lot of how we're to live and what was yet to come. And so Peter referenced that. Verse 13 is where we're going to pick it up this morning as we continue on in chapter to 1. And Lord willing, we'll get to chapter 2. 
and we'll, we'll finish, you know, we'll finish chapter 1 today. Verse 13 starts off, therefore, again, everything I just said, right? Therefore, so because of all those things from last week, this week, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Let's stop right there, right? Therefore, therefore, because of the resurrection, because you are precious, because you have been bought with a price, prepare your mind, set your mind on things, right? Set your minds before you act. Right? As I mentioned last week, right, when we first think of Peter, right, we think of a guy that acted before he thought. Right? This is the same guy that jumped out of a perfectly good boat to try to walk on water. Same guy that whipped out his sword and cut off an ear. Same guy that says, oh no, Christ, I won't deny you. And then turns around and denies him three times, right? Peter was pretty, pretty good at action before thinking, right? He would do things out of the inspiration at the moment in the, the heat of the battle, run by his emotions. And here he's saying as someone older now, hey, Prepare your minds. Get your minds ready for what's to come, for what's next. And so he's challenging them to, to think a little bit, to, to take some time and thought before you put into action. And he says, first off, you need to be self-controlled. Right? Man, that word is one of those words that that's hard. Being self-controlled, right? Keeping ourselves controlled, not giving in to the flesh not just doing what we want to do because we want it, right? It it requires some denial. Being self-controlled. Having the ability to do something, but not doing it because it's better off that we don't. We keep it under control. We keep it in check. He says the reason you needed that is because you need to set your hope on the grace. God's grace. Again, Jesus is going to be revealed. Peter is always looking forward for what's yet to come. He's looking forward to Christ's return at this point. Same thing that we should be. Don't get caught up in the here and now. Be looking forward. There's hope. There's grace. There's things yet to come. Interestingly, he says, just as obedient children don't conform to the evil desires, right? When you lived in ignorance, right? Before you knew what was right and wrong, you quite often would, would do things, and they would be wrong. And it's, I didn't know that was wrong, right? It's not that ignorance, right? Well, guess what? You can only claim that so long, right? And then you do know. And then you are responsible for what you know, right? We talked about this a while back, right? If we know the good we ought to do and we don't do it, it's sin. Well, there's a responsibility that comes with that with that knowledge and knowing and maturity in Christ. We're responsible for those things. You can't act like kids anymore, right? There are, there are things that we have to do. There are rules. There are boundaries as believers. Verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. All right? Again, I told you, Peter uses the Old Testament. This is Old Testament. It comes right out of Leviticus. All right? Now, when I hear this, be holy, I don't know about you, but maybe the first thing, first thing that comes to my mind is holy. 
that bar is way up here, right? Because the only one that we know is holy is God, right? But Scripture is saying that we are to be holy. We're going to need a lot of help. First and foremost, we're going to need a lot of help to be holy, right? But it's a command. It's not an option to be holy. That's the goal. That's the mark. How often do we see today in today's world that, all right, that's the mark, but yeah, but we can lower that standard, right? Rather than try to aspire to that, we try to pull the bar down, right? I even hear that among Christians, and it makes me cringe, and, and again, it's only by the grace of God, but, you know, well, God didn't really mean that we had to be, be perfect. We're under grace, right? And, and, and that's true. We're under grace, and we can be forgiven, but the mark doesn't change. The mark is to be holy, to be like Christ. And yes, that mark is way up here, but that's where we need to head. I used to disciple a, a young man, and he would say, Pastor Charlie, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I just, I can't, I, I can't do it. It's not in me. I just can't go even a few hours. I said, but can you go one hour? Can you do what God wants you to do for one hour? And he said, yeah, I, I can, yeah, I can do one hour. I said, well, if you can do one hour, why can't you do two? I can do two. Why can't I do a half a day? And then maybe a day. Again, it was a challenging, and we kept working. And I don't know if he, how far he ever got to, to making that mark, but again, the mark didn't change. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded that, that the mark is to be holy. That's what it means to be in right relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be in right relationship with God. God our Father, and to live accordingly. That's also the mark that God sets for us as individuals. It's not to be comparing it to other people, right? I can get in trouble real quick if I compare myself. If I compare myself to Everett and Everett's having a bad day, I'm better than Everett today at least. No, it happens, I know. Not very often, believe me, Everett. And most days you're... But that's not the mark, is it? My, my day's not to be like Everett, or even better than Everett, or that's not the mark. Again, the wrong focus. To be like God. To be holy. So Peter sets that out there. And again, he sets the same bar for himself. And we know Peter's backstory, right? Peter didn't, didn't always make that mark. He struggled with it, right? He had to ask for forgiveness. He had to keep going back to, hey, woe is me, I'm not there. But never move the mark, all right? Keep the mark the same. Be holy as I am holy, all right? That's the mark. All right, Peter's going to give us some help here because we need help. Like I said, we can't do that on our own. We struggle with that. It's not, not easy. But since you call, verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here, and reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. It's that reminder, right? It's that reminder when we don't make the mark, when we're not holy and we mess up. We are forgiven. There is redemption. 
but it's done through Christ. It's not done because of what we do, and it's not because of our work. It's because of what Christ did. You are precious to him. You matter to him. It also matters what we do as believers. Peter emphasized that, and we're going to continue on with that. He's going to continue to, to give us that. But don't forget, sacrifice was made so that he can make that statement to be holy. It was for your sake. And he also mentions your forefathers. Again, to the Jewish believers, it's not based on their heritage, right? It's not because I'm in a long line of believers that doesn't, that doesn't get there. It's an individual walk. Each of us come to Christ as individuals. Sorry, you as parents this morning, as much as we want our kids to be believers, we can train them up, we can show them, we can share the gospel, we need to do all those things. We can encourage. But they have to come to Christ on their own. And he's saying the same thing here. It's not based on your heritage. It's based on you alone coming to Christ. Can't lean on our, our past. Us New Englanders have a hard time with that, right? Us New Englanders, we all want to trace our, our roots back to the Mayflower, right? That's always the big, big thing. If you're in the Northeast, you know, that you were one of the first descendants that came over. I have an uncle that does genealogy, and he's really good at that, and he's a family historian. And he's tried, but we don't quite make the Mayflower. We came soon after, and there's a lot of heritage back there to those people that hit the, hit the ground. You know, the Plymouth Rock, I told you, there's a real rock there. Not the right one, but it's a rock there that, that they all claim. But what does it really matter? It doesn't matter in Christ's eyes. Again, because we have to come individually. It's not because of our heritage. It's because of what Christ did. Again, the focus back on Jesus. Verse 22. Again, he's going to use some of the Old Testament here. But again, this is going to resonate with them. And again, it's a good reminder now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Woof. Uh-oh. Right? First part, right? To get ourselves holy, to get ourselves right before God. Right? Set the mark here to work on myself. Those things that God convicts me of. Don't be ignorant anymore. Now that I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm walking with the Lord, now I've got to turn and I've got to obey the truth. The truth is that I need to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not easy. In fact, they even use that word sincere, right? It's from the heart. It's, got to, it's not just lip service, you know? Yeah, I love you, but I can't stand you. No, that doesn't work, right? <laughs> I know I know. some of you have thought that. I, I love you, but I can put up with you for today. Have you ever had this discussion with God? I, I know they're one of yours. I know they're a believer, but man, they believe something totally different from me. They are like way off base. They love the wrong football team. They, they vote for the wrong politician. I, I got to love them. They're from a different part of the country. Really? I got to love them. How about, does God ever put those people in your life that are hard to love? Right? You really struggle with, like, I have nothing in common with this person. Yet I got to love them. And not just service love. I got to love them from the heart. That's a call here. Again, don't forget Peter's help here. 
Not only Peter's, but God's help here, right? It's because of God. And he sees them as precious. And truth be known, they're just as precious as I am. Christ died for them just as much as he did for me. And so they are precious. And so I do need to have that love for them. I need to work at that. I need to, to love them, not just servicey, but from the heart. Love one another deeply. And why do I need to do that? See a little bit of it in verse 23. For I have been born again. Not a perishable seed, but imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. Like that reminder again. The resurrection. We're here temporarily. We're not here for a long time. We're here just for a short time. Have value. We are eternal beings. We have a destiny. We have something that's greater than our circumstances right here and now. It goes beyond that. We're not just stuck here. And so you know what? If I have that perspective, I need to love my brothers and sisters that are here. I need to encourage them. I need to love them wholeheartedly. And yeah, they may not believe the same thing, but that's okay. We're in this walk together. We're here for this time. The next couple of verses, and they come out of Isaiah, and Peter quotes them, and it's interesting because it kind of puts it in perspective. He says, all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this was the word that was preached to you. Now stop right there a little bit. Peter gets the importance of God's word. Again, he not only quotes it in this letter often, but I, I can only imagine like when he's teaching, he's using it over and over again. He's using those examples. Dave, is it true? I heard on the radio this week, because I, I listened to the Pulse, that January 10th, everyone that makes resolutions, by January 10th, they, they pretty much give up, like a lot of people, right? That's the date, right? And I know this church body has been challenged to to read God's word more, right? So 10th is past. And again, if you've you've missed out on that and you're not kept up with it, I'm going to encourage you this morning to read because you know what? Peter values God's word and we value God's word here. It's, It's one of the tools that we've been given. It's one of the gifts that we've been given to help us in this walk, to help us to be holy, to help us to love one another. Help us move us out of that ignorance and to mature us, to help us to grow in our walk with Christ. Right? And, I, and I'm not just talking about reading for the sake of reading. Right? In case you haven't noticed my, my sign up here, you that are visiting probably were wondering what this, this sign is. Right? It says, marinate on God's word. Right? Because Pastor Shelley has a hard time saying meditation. Right? No, that's not the reason. But marinate on it because it means a little bit more than just ripping through Scripture. But just like marinating what you do with a steak, you let it soak in a little bit. You let it work into those areas of your life that creeps in, those tough areas, and soften it up. And it may involve some change, right? God's Word is going to change you. If you read it, if you marinate on it, you let it seep in and do its work. Holy Spirit will reveal to you, will do its work in you. So I like that word. That word's not original. It's just something I picked up. But 
Let God's word marinate on you. Let it work into your, your life so that you can live it out. It's important. Interesting, it stood the test of time. I'm going to tell you, if you're here this morning, you have no excuse not to read it. Right? We have been blessed here in the United States. We have all sorts of forms of it. It's free. It's even free apps on our phones. Right? There's no excuse not to have God's Word. We can listen to it audibly, the audio. There's different levels. But you know what? Really, God's Word is not that difficult to understand. You just have to read it, pray upon it, let it work into your life. God will reveal things to you. And you know what? It helps, especially as we get older, helps when we keep reading it over and over again. Because it's amazing how many times I've read a passage God will use it and speak differently through it. And now all of a sudden it clicks in. Oh, that applies to my life. Oh, that, I need that right now. And it helps me. And Peter puts a really good importance on God's word and how we need that. That's going to help us to be holy. That's going to align us with God's will for our lives. It's important. We need it. And all right, because I like to break the rules. Uh, you know that. I'm not a conformist by any means. We're actually going to dive into chapter 2 just a little bit because I think it applies with this passage. And again, this, like I said, it, it, I, if I left this out, it would be hard, especially this morning, what we've been talking about. So we're going to look at the first three verses in chapter 2. I'm only joking about conforming. Again, pages and verses are not, not sacred by any means. But therefore, right? Therefore, because everything that Peter said up to this point, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow up in your salvation, and now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right? Some of those things that you were ignorant of, that's, he's kind of looping back to that, right? Here's some of those things. He gives us this list here. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Again, this is not a complete list, but it's a list to get you started. You say, well, I don't do this one, but, but this one I might struggle with. You know what? At some point in time, we probably have done at least one, if not more, of those things. So we need to be aware of those things and say, all right, I need to get rid of them. It's kind of like taking out the trash, right? Kind of going back to New Year's resolutions, one of the other things that we like to do is kind of like clean things up and start things over and a new start. Well, you can do that this morning. I need to get rid of some stuff. I need to take this out of my life. How do I begin? Right? How do I start with that? Go back to God's Word. What does God's Word say about it? Not someone else's opinion, not what something I read on Facebook. What does God's word say about this? How do I get rid of it? Do I need help? God's word says it's not good. These things are not going to help me become holy. And so I need to get rid of them. I like verse 2. And again, like a newborn baby, right? There's a craving when you first get saved, right? I always love it. When, it, when you're a new believer, you share Christ with someone and they come into faith and, you know, if this hasn't happened to you, then I pray that it happens soon. But the first thing they say is, well, what do I do now? 
What do I do? Right? They can't wait. They, there's a craving. There's a hunger. There's an excitement. And we have to be careful as we get older that we don't lose that excitement. But what do we, we normally do? We usually tell them, all right, let's get into God's Word. And that's a good place to start. And we introduce them to prayer, and we into God's Word. And we, again, we need to do those things. But you know what? You can't stay there. You need to continue to grow. You need to get out of the milk and get into the meat. The only way to do that is to get into God's Word. And marinate on it, to stay in it, to let it soak in, let it change you and move you forward. And lastly here, like a newborn baby, crave for you may grow up in your salvation. Right? That you grow up into that. You look forward to that day. That salvation, you value it. It means something in your life. It shows. It comes out in many ways. Your life looks different to those around you. They see it. They see your growth. They see the changes that you make. It's attractive. Interestingly enough, too, don't forget who Peter's writing to, right? He's writing to a people that are about ready to get persecuted. And guess what? If they stand out, they look different, guess what? They're going to get, they're going to be the first ones. And Peter knows that, and yet he's encouraging them. Stand out, be different, be holy. Love each other just as I've loved you. Love your brothers and sisters. So it's not coming with easy words. It's not coming out of something that, oh, well, that's just a normal part of life. No, it's coming out of effort. It's coming out of putting those things into action. It's coming out of that calling to be holy as Christ is holy. So we need help with that. We need the Holy Spirit's help. We need God's word. And we need to live it out in our daily lives. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we've gone through this, I'm reminded of the need of you in our lives. Lord, please help us. Help us to get off the milk and move towards the meat. Help us to grow. Help us to get rid of those things in our lives that ensnare us. Lord, do give us that love for one another that you've called us to love. Give us a hunger and a desire to, to grow deeper in your word. That we may not only know you, Lord, and that we only love you, Lord, but that we can, in turn, love others. Continue to do your work in and through us each and every day. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.